Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? And if you're watching online, again, you have no idea what we're talking about because... You missed it. You weren't here live, but that's okay. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening online. We're glad that you're a part of this. And those of you who are here live, thanks again for being here. It's, it's really good to see you. Are you having a good new year so far? Good. Glad to hear it. Sometimes we'll interact. Sometimes we won't. You won't even know. But how are those resolutions going, huh? Those of you who make resolutions and those of you, I don't, yes, you make resolutions. I know you do. Everybody wants to be a little bit better. But so you only have, for those resolutions, when we started this series, we talked about resolutions, and we'll talk about what this series is in a second. But uh, one of the facts we found out is like 85% of resolutions fail by February. So you guys only have five more days. <laughs> Hold on. You can do it for five, wait, five? Yeah, five more days. You can do it. Just go six days, and then you've beaten the average. So that's impressive. But why do we make New Year's resolutions? Because we want to be better, right? We, we know that there's a gap between who we want to be and who we actually are. And whether that's a big gap or a little gap, there's some kind of gap between who we actually want to be and who we feel and think we are now. And so that's why we're doing a series to start off the new year called who do you want to be? Who do you actually want to be? And how can we close that gap? And we're actually in part four. We're at the end of the movie. Um, the, the, the plot's been, been um, laid out. The characters are known. And we're kind of coming in for a landing here at the, the end of the show. So a little bit of review, maybe. Here's what we've seen in this series. Is that following Jesus isn't actually about what we have to do. Following Jesus isn't about what we have to do. It's about who we get to be because of Jesus. And we're seeing how following Jesus actually transforms us from the inside out, actually closes that gap between who we want to be and who we are. But we've seen that this process of transforming and closing that gap of becoming who we really want to be is pretty counterintuitive because you would think it's about, you know, yourself and focusing on yourself. And, but really, to be who you want to be, we've discovered, you have to stop focusing on yourself. You need to serve others to become who you want to be. You need to actually be for other people. And through that, you'll have experience a transformation process of becoming who you want to be. But there's actually another dynamic going on here in becoming who we want to be and closing that gap. Because all those things I said are great, they're true, they're, they're wonderful, right? But if you think about it, they all have to do with you, Right? You doing this, you doing that. To be who you want to be, you need to serve these people, right? You need to do these things. It's really like self-improvement, right? But if your life, think about this, and maybe you know some people like this, you're obviously not one of them, but if your life is only about self-improvement, 
what's your life mostly focused on? Yourself. You guys are so smart. Good job. If your life is all about self-improvement, you're mostly focusing on yourself. And that seems like for most of us, because most of us grew up in a pretty uh, individualistic culture, that seems kind of normal that we would want to focus on ourselves and do this self-improvement thing, right? The whole self-help book aisle is huge and it makes a bunch of money. Like this whole idea of be the best you you can be. You got to look out for number one because nobody else does. Think about like our, our stories that we love, our, our movies that we love about that one hero who uh, stands against the whole army and, and wins the battle, right? Ladies, I know you love those stories. But think about like, why is the Mandalorian so cool? Not Baby Yoda. Because he is this guy taking on... Anyway, okay. Don't get me distracted. So, think about this. Even our religions have become individualistic. Right? We, we choose to meditate to find inner peace for ourselves. Right? To find our inner peace. Uh, a lot of religions... You do, you do these things so you don't get punished. Right? So God will like you, or the gods will like you, or whatever version we have. Even, even uh, ev- evan- evangelistic, e- what's the word? Not evangelistic, but evangelical, thank you. We'll get there. Even evangelical Christianity, which we're kind of cross creeks a part of that, has this idea of that, you know, Christianity following Jesus is all about a personal relationship with Jesus, which is true. And it is essential to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is what it's about. But if it's only about me and Jesus, something huge is missing in our relationship, in our, in our life. Because that's not what life really is about, right? Focusing on ourselves. Because if you, if you only focus on yourself pretty soon, you'll only have yourself to focus on. You'll be alone. It'll just be you, yourself, and me, and I. How me, myself, and I. Yeah, you, yourself, and you. English is weird. We'll, we'll move on, though. See, in reality, we don't want to just focus on ourselves. See, in reality, and I think we're all, we, we're all part of this in some way, we want to be part of something bigger than just ourselves. There's something in us that wants to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's why, you know, think about the Super Bowl coming up. That's why, you know, Team sports makes so much money and has this huge, every team has this huge, huge franchise to, to their fans, right? When, when the Seahawks win, half of the population says, oh, we won. You weren't there. You didn't play. You didn't make that call. But we still say we won, right? Because we belong. We want to belong to something bigger than ourselves, something that the people around us are a part of. That's why, you know, so many people are proud of their nationality or their culture, right? We, we have this, this love for our people because we want to belong to something that's bigger than ourselves, that has a history longer than ourselves, that has a culture maybe richer than ourselves. That's why there's, there's school pride, right? That's why when, when I drove a Jeep Wrangler, oh my gosh, I was in, guys. <laughs> Have you ever driven a Jeep Wrangler and you have these people driving their Jeep and they just wave at you constantly? I didn't know them, but I was their brother. Because I was in the club, right? And so you, we want to belong to something more than just us. And that's, I think that's natural, right? It's, it's, it's good. It can unite us. That idea also, though, has a dark side to it. 
right? We want to belong to a group, so I belong, you know, you could say I belong to this political party, and I definitely don't belong to that political party, or I belong to this political party, and they are evil, and they're ruining the country, right? It causes political division. Um, socioeconomic class divisions, right? Oh, well, you know, the people who are on my social class, we, we kind of understand it, and they're ruining it for the rest of us, right? Whether you're higher or lower, right? There's, there's this us versus them. It actually, it, it goes into religion, right? Different religions, and even in Christianity, there's different denominations, and they don't always get along, and they, they fight over silly things like, you know, what, what cracker you should eat for communion and stuff like that. It's like, what is the point, Right? Even, like, racism comes out of this idea that we want to belong to this group that's not just us. Sexism comes, all the isms, right, come out of this idea that we, we want to belong to something bigger than us. And it has, a, it has a natural good side, but also has this dark side. So what do we do? Right, we have this, this natural desire to belong to something greater than ourselves, but it often leads to this whole us versus them mentality that it doesn't unite but actually tears tears people apart. And when it's us versus them, what's our defining characteristic, you think? Us versus them. Well, obviously we are, we, my group, is against them. We are against everything they stand for. Because they're ruining our, our society. They're, they're, they're ruining the family, whatever. It's us against them. We are against them and everything they are for. Honestly, let's be honest. That's how a lot of churches are seen, isn't it? Right? A lot of churches, you don't, they, you don't even see church people until they come out of the woodworks and start shouting about what they're against. Maybe that's why, why you left church. Maybe that's why you're watching or listening online and you don't really want to come physically be in a church because that's what you've experienced. People kind of just telling you what they're against all the time. So what if we changed that script? What if we could be known for what we are for instead of what we are against? And what if we, and by we, I don't mean like us as individuals, right? I mean us sitting here in this room right now, us watching and listening online, all of us devoted ourselves to be a team on a mission united to love our neighbor as ourself. And through that, we, all of us together as a group, become what we actually want to be, an indispensable part of something bigger and better than any one of us could be on our own. And so what we're going to see tonight as we kind of talk through this idea is that to be who you want to be, start thinking as we. To be who you want to be, we need to start thinking not as me, but as we, as part of, an a indispensable part of a we, of a group, of a group that's actually formed for a reason. And Jesus talks about this actual, this very thing. He talk, uh, it's recorded for us in what we call the book of Matthew. Matthew was uh, one of Jesus' close followers. We call him the 12 disciples. And Matthew actually steps onto the scene. We first see his story when he's being a traitor to the Jewish people. He's, he's a Jewish guy, but he's collecting taxes for Rome. 
And Matthew knew what it was to be a part of something bigger than himself. Because the reason Matthew started following Jesus is because Jesus invited him. He saw him saying, sitting at the tax table, uh, cheating his own people, and Jesus said, follow me. Come be something bigger than just making money. Come be a part of something that's going to change the world. And as Matthew got older, he decided, you know what? I'm getting old. I need to write down what, it, what Jesus was like, what he said, what he did. And that's how we got the eyewitness account of Matthew that we call the gospel or the book of Matthew. And the part that we're going to look at, it's actually a pretty famous uh, part in uh, Matthew's book. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus basically is preaching to all the people. It's, a lot of scholars think it's just a, this section is a summary of Jesus's main teachings. And basically it's laying out what his new movement, what the church, his, his group, his people would look like. What they would do, how, would they, how they would interact with everyone. Now, the immediate implications that we, we're going to look at are for Jesus followers. But Cross Creek isn't just a church for Jesus followers, right? We're a church for people who don't normally go to church, for people who are exploring, who are maybe coming back, who are um, maybe just hearing about Jesus and what that actually means for the first time. And so if that's you, we're glad you're here. We designed this for you. And what you're going to hear kind of is what church, the church, is supposed to be like. The whole, the whole point of this whole thing. And it might be a little bit different than what you expected or what you've experienced before. And so let's dive into Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14. If you have a Bible, you can open it, but if you don't, we have it all on the screen. You, let's stop there. Okay, you. In the New Testament, more often than not, when you see the word you, it's plural. Okay, we, again, English is weird. We talked about this, didn't we? We don't really have that whole word for a plural you unless you're in the South and it's y'all. <laughs> Most yous in the New Testament writings are y'all. You all, yous all, however you want to say it, wherever you're from, it's plural, including this one. So he's talking to his followers, the church. So you, all of us, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Yous all, all y'all, are the light of the world. Not, you know, hey, hey, Jesus followers, you should be the light of the world. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you are, if you are a Jesus follower, you are, all of you together are the light of the world. Meaning in a dark world, and a world that seems to kind of just be getting darker and darker, the church as a whole, as a group, as a movement of people is designed to be light. To chase out the darkness of fear. Chase out the darkness of hate, of loneliness. And to bring light, bring warmth, peace, love, and belonging. That is what the church exists to do. Because Jesus followers, and we can get into this later, maybe in our, our So What About series, but Jesus followers have the Holy Spirit of God living and residing and, and moving, transforming them from the inside out. It has the Holy Spirit living in them. And it's that light that needs, that's shining out. The actual Holy Spirit of God shining out to the world, showing people God's love, his, his peace his belonging. 
And a lot of times we think, okay, I, I'm the light of the world, and we get this warm little feeling in our belly, right? Like, oh, I feel this peace with Jesus, which is good. But again, it's not just about us. Right? This light isn't for that inner warmth, squishy little feeling. It's to be used as a light for everyone, for the world. You are the light of the world. If you are a Jesus follower, you are part of this light. He says, you are, or yeah, you're a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. A city on a hill. And so picture, you know, ancient Israel 2,000 years ago. No electricity. You got the stars. You've got this, think of it like a massive city on this hill in the middle of the night. But everybody's awake. They're having some kind of party. So in every house is a light. You, couldn't, you can't hide that city, can you? Right? You can see it from miles and miles around because everybody has lit their light. Everybody's lit their house. And he's saying that's what the church is. The church is designed to be seen. The church was designed to be seen, not hidden. Is that, is that up there? No. If you have your notes on your paper, the note is, the church was designed to be seen. Meaning known. Oh, there it is. Good job. I'll give you a raise. Don't look back there. It just embarrasses her more. <laughs> you can edit this out later. The church was designed to be seen. Can't hide it. Right? It's designed to be known. Not hidden away in its own little community where we always sing the same songs and we always know the same people and we always dress the same and always look the same and always talk the same. That's not what it's designed to be. Not a secret private relationship or this secret once a week gathering that we kind of sneak into. The church is designed to be known. Now, we're not knocking any churches here, but on the top of your head, can you name five other churches than the one you're sitting in now? And that's, you can't name this one because it's cheating because it's on your little program we gave you. But how, how well known are the churches around us in this country, in this world? Are they known? Are we? I mean, how well is Cross Creek known out in the community? Are we shining bright enough? Why am I talking up high? I don't know. <laughs> but it's important. So the church is designed to be known, to be seen, not a secret private club, but to actually shine, be shining into the world. And Jesus goes on, verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. See, that's kind of, Jesus was funny. Because that's dumb. Who would do that, right? So Jesus, is, you, you read the Bible like Jesus is all holy and nobody lights a lamp and puts it, obviously. Anyway, so. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Like, why would you go through all the work of putting in the can lighting and, you know, the pendant lights and all that, and then cover them up with duct tape? That's what Jesus is saying, basically, right? Nobody does that. The light isn't meant to be hidden, but it's meant to benefit everyone, to give light to the world. And I th- we kind of touched on this. What's that light that the church shines out? It's the love of God. It's the love of Jesus shining through you. And not just so people have, you know, happier, easier lives, but so that they have purpose, true purpose. So, so that they know who they are. They know why 
they are. They know that there's a God who loves them and is for them. They know that there's a God who would do anything to be with them. So that they know that even though we're separated because of, separated from God because of the, the choices we've made, right? We've all chosen to hurt people, to put people um, below us, to say what I want is more important than you. Biblical writers call that sin. But because of that, there's a separation between us and God, right? If somebody hurts your kid, you're going to have a separation in your relationship, aren't you? And we've all chosen to do that. But the light that's shining is saying that God loved us so much that he didn't just leave us separated. He did everything he could to remove that separation by coming as a human, 100% God, 100% human, Jesus, to actually die for our penalty, to kind of take away the judgment of hurting others, to die to pay the penalty, and then rise again to offer us new life, that transformation we kind of talked about, that we can receive not by doing a bunch of good things and trying to earn it, but simply trusting him. That is the message that the light shines out, that the the love of God is for everyone, that there's this offer for everyone, that it's free, that it's it's not what most people think. It's not trying to earn it, and we definitely can't deserve it, but it's a free gift from God, and that's what the light is meant to do, that, that this love of God restores relationships. It can restore and transform marriages. It can bring parents back with kids, This light destroys hate. But so often that light is covered. And it's not covered by, you know, our choices and and drinking too much beer and smoking too much whatever you smoke. It's covered by our own declarations of who and what we are against. That's what covers our lights most often. It masks the truth of this whole thing of Jesus' love and what he did. Think about it. Why are most people turned off, most people who aren't church people, turned off to the church, turned off to Christianity? It has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with what he did or what he taught. It's usually because somebody who called themselves a Christian was very clear on what they were against. And it was a message that was usually, I'm against you. What they heard was, I'm against you. And I'm against people who think like you. I'm against people who act like you. I'm against people who look like you, who talk like you. I'm against people who pray like you. You don't belong to my group, so therefore it's us versus you. That's been the message that, every, that many people have heard. People usually reject the claims of Jesus because of the actions of those who say they follow him. Jesus said, I can give you a new life. I can bring love to a world that sees way too much hate. But people don't believe it because of the actions of those who say they follow him. Because they see darkness where they are expecting to see light. Where they expect to see the love of God, they experience hate. Has that ever been your experience? Is that why, you know, you're watching or listening online? So what do we do? How, what do we do to shine that light instead of cover it? Well, Jesus has the answer, as usual. <laughs> In the same way, as like, so he's talking about the lamp, right? In the same way, 
Let your, plural, let all yours light shine before others so that they may see all yours good deeds and glorify all yours, Father in heaven. Plural. Let your light, let our light shine. Actually doing things for others. That's what it means to let the love of God shine. Actually being kind to people. Actually doing acts of goodness to people. Of choosing to like, it's a choice, choosing to like people who are different than you. See, think about this. We've said this before. People who are nothing like Jesus, right? Just like the the worst people you could think of. Tax collectors, uh, prostitutes, uh, traitors to their Jewish people loved being around Jesus. Jesus, like God in a body, 100% holy and pure, never said a bad word to his mom under his breath. That Jesus loved being, they loved being around him and he loved being around them. And he actually liked them because he saw them for what they were. People created in the image of God who were lost from their heavenly father, who he came to find, who he came to rescue. He loved being around them. And so that's our choice to make. If you are a Jesus follower, that is the love you have living inside of you that you can love others with. And it's, we don't do these good deeds so that people think we're great. Right? So like, oh man, he's so nice. Right? We're not trying to create a whole bunch of Mr. Rogers. Right? He's a good guy. He's a great guy. But nobody ever crucified Mr. Rogers, right? There's, there's a difference. It's not so that we're great and people are like, oh, he's so nice, you know. Oh, he's, she's, she's just the sweetest little thing. Oh. It's not so people think we're good and great. It's so that they can see what the love of the true Heavenly Father is like. So that they can be pointed to the true source of the light. So people will know that there is a God who is for them because they have seen his people before them. That's the point of shining the light. Oh, I know what God's like. I know that God's for me because the people who say they follow him have been for me. Even when I wasn't for them. Even maybe when I was against them, they did things for me. See, here's the thing. We have an unbelievable opportunity to do unbelievable good. We all... Whether, and we'll get to this, whether you're Jesus follower or not, we all have an unbelievable opportunity to do unbelievable good. We have the opportunity to chase out the darkness with the light. As you, as you go home tonight, if, if you're here and not watching, but if you go home tonight on the hills of Hilo, watch your headlights, chase out that darkness. That's what it's talking about, right? We have an opportunity to chase out the darkness with light, to show hurting, lonely, anxious, stressed people the truth that there's a God who loves them, that accepts, who accepts them, who cares for them, who is kind to them. To show people that there's more to this life than most of us think. There's more meaning and more purpose than we ever thought possible. The, the question that's really pushed me and challenged me for a few years now is this. And Bear with me as I kind of talk about church stuff for a second, but here's, here's the question that's kind of challenged me as a guy who works for a church. If your church, if your group of people who, like Cross Creek, if Cross Creek ceased to exist tomorrow, would anyone in the community notice? 
would there be a gap left? If we just said, you know what? That break at Super Bowl was awesome. We're done. (laughs) That felt really good to take that break. Let's just be done. Would anybody in Salem notice, other than the people who come here regularly, in fact, that's, that question really is what drove us to create Cross Creek the way we did. To be a church for people who don't normally go to church in all aspects. And that's, you know, that's nice and that might be a little bit different than what you hear about churches and that's great, but really, that's our goal. But a goal without a plan is really just a wish, isn't it? Oh, I really want to do that. I wish I could, but a goal without a plan is a wish. So we made a plan. This Sunday service, we designed this service not just with church, not with church people in mind, really. We designed it for people who don't normally go to church. Not a place where, you know, church people can get all their wishes granted. And, you know, we, we design it perfectly with the perfect songs and the perfect temperature for people who love going to church and have all these different church things. But we designed this specifically to be a safe, welcoming place for people to discover God's love for them. People who might have never heard that God's for them would experience it when they walked in before they even heard this happen. And with that, that means that we have contributors, people who make this happen, contributors who are willing to miss this service, to to miss talking to their friends because they're serving kids. Because they're, they're busy creating, creating snacks that help create conversation for people. They're willing to put others above them. They're willing to be for others and not worry about what they want from their typical church experience. And here's the fun thing. When you do that, you discover that you are actually transformed in the process. That this whole church people don't normally go to church is actually for everyone. Because if you are a church person, you, you, you kind of get into that mentality of being for people who don't normally go to church. You see that you're actually being used. You're being changed. You are experiencing the love of God flow through you. It's, it's why we have kept this whole church thing simple. You go to a lot of churches and it's like, hey, do you have this group for the, this age? Do you have that group for that age? Do you have a Wednesday Bible study for, for uh, teenagers who like to watch Pokemon but also are left-handed? Yes, we have, Right? There's always something for somebody. We said no. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to do four things, and you can actually see it in your program. We do four things. The Sunday service, discover God's love. A small connect group, connect to his people. Be part of what we're doing by contributing with your, with your time and even your money. Contribute. And then share God's love with people. Those are the four things we ask people to do. That's it. Because often you can be so busy learning the Bible that you never even meet people who need to know what the Bible's about. Because you're so busy just pouring into yourself, right? So we kept it simple. It's why we, why we have the For Salem, yeah, that way, For Salem message. To spread the message that, and to actually give proof that we are for you because God is for you. And that's not just a, I'm not saying all this to just be like, hey, Cross Creek's awesome, you should totally be a part of this and, you know, sign over all your paychecks to us. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm trying to show you is, what you can be a part of. What you, how you can belong to something bigger than yourself. Bigger than maybe you thought possible. So how can you be a part of this? How can you be part of the light that's shining to the world? Well, you need a goal, right? Because like we said, a goal without a plan 
you need a plan because a goal without a plan is just a wish. So I'm, I want to give us some action steps. And you don't have to be a Jesus follower to follow these action steps. We pride ourselves on the fact that we are a church where you can belong before you believe. You can be a part of all of this before you believe. Even if you choose to never believe, you can join us in this mission of being for others. So here's some, so here's some action steps. Here's a plan that I'd like to lay out for you. Be a teammate. Those are some good-looking people. Anyway, be a teammate. Join a team. We have many, many different service teams here at Crossing. We have you know, greeters. We have the band. Uh, we have security. You might not know that, but we are very secure here. We have a security team. We have, so, we have kids' teams. We have so many. Be a part of it. Be a part of helping people discover that God is for them. Be a team. Maybe join a group, right? Join a, join a small group. Learn what it means to actually live, not live with, you don't live with your connect group, that's a cult, but to actually like see each other weekly and be in each other's lives. And if there's things to celebrate, you celebrate. If there's things to, to take care of, you take care of them. Be a teammate. And then be for Salem. Be for Salem. And you might think, you know, oh, that's cute that they have all this swag and stuff, right? Yeah, that's fun. But there's a point behind it. There's a point to, we don't just wear this to church because say, oh, we've been members for so... No, this is to be used out in the community. We were at our kids' basketball practice and I was wearing my For Salem sweatshirt. And one of the moms was asking my wife, hey, I've seen that For Salem thing around town. What is that? And so Liz got to explain what for Salem. Somebody got to hear that God is for them because some of you were wearing your stuff and then she finally saw somebody wearing it that she could ask about it. And she got to hear that God is for her. That was a team effort. Isn't that? That's awesome. So wear your stuff. Get some, st- we have shirts and sweatshirts and stuff that you can get. Car decals that say for Salem. You think, oh, that's, that's cute, you know, right? Car decals. But think about it. Somebody's, if you're a terrible driver, just leave those on the table. But think about it, like, there's probably, you know, at least maybe 70 people here. So y'all came together. So 35 cars driving around Salem right now that would said, for Salem. That would make somebody think, what is that? I want to be a part of that. Right? Maybe sharing our social media posts about how, you know, Different, different places in the community that we're for, things that, you know, what it means to be for Salem. Share those posts when you see them. Um, make sure not all your other posts are about, you know, politics and how you hate everyone on the other side. <laughs> Please don't do that. And if you're a Jesus follower, we need to talk about your posts anyway. But, especially if you're arguing, don't argue. On, okay. I only have so much time. Take part in our For Salem opportunities. We have the Give Five that's still going on for Salem, where you give five, randomly give out five cards of For Salem cards. Give money to this. This I'm, I'm going to sound like NPR or um, those public radio things, but this doesn't happen without viewers like you, right? You can actually be a part of this by donating and 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 giving some of your money to keep this going, keep these lights on. So be For Salem. And then most importantly, I think, be a neighbor. You want to be who you really want? You want to become who you really want to be? You want to be something bigger than yourself? Be a neighbor. That, that question of if Cross Creek stopped existing tomorrow, would anybody notice? Let me ask you. If you moved out of your neighborhood tomorrow, would anybody notice? 
Would your neighbors be like, no, not that family. They were so, they treated us so well. Would anybody notice? Now don't answer this one either, but quick, name five of your neighbors by name right now. Some of you are like, oh yeah, it's da, 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 da. good for you. But it's hard to love your neighbor as yourself when you don't know your neighbor's name, right? So be a neighbor. Get to know your neighbors. Yeah, but it's raining. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Buy them a gift and take it to them. Say, hey, my name is John. What is your name? I live next to you. I have this for you. And then walk away. (laughs) When When the weather's good, hang out in your yard. Well, there's one of, one of our uh, leaders was hanging out in their yard doing gardening and they got to know their neighbor. Started a conversation by asking questions. You know how to have a good conversation? Ask people questions. Then you don't have to talk. But, so find some questions that you like to ask people. Ask questions, get to know them. That night, their son passed away. And they came to our leader for support, for love, for encouragement, for prayer. All because he was out in his yard being a neighbor, out in his yard on purpose to meet people. Ask que- Don't be like Dutch Brothers intense, but ask questions. Right? Get to know people. Hey, how's your day going? I just want coffee. None of your business. But give gifts like my... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Dutch Brothers. Anyway. But like I said, give gifts. I have a neighbor. His name is Frank. He loves to barbecue. He belongs to a different denomination than us, still, still loves Jesus, still knows that God loves him. And every once in a while, he'll bring over like T-bone steaks and peppers stuffed with cream cheese and shrimp wrapped in bacon that he's been smoking and grilling all day. I know, right? If you want to buy my house. Anyway, so, and he, he knocks on my door and he hands it to me and he says, the love of God. I know, he's great. But that's because we've gotten to know him and he's being a neighbor. When we first moved into our house, the neighbors on the other side, Phil and Jane are their names. We pulled up and they said, hey, John, when's the last time we gave you something? And I was like, well, like, actually, it was like two weeks ago when we moved in, you gave us some wine. But they had all these plants to put in our yard for us. And be a neighbor. Be for people. S- smile and wave when people, dr- cars drive by your house. It's okay. You're in Salem. You probably, you're safe. Maybe invite people over for the Super Bowl. I don't know. You know what you could do at the very least, which is actually the very most? Pray for them. When you see your neighbor driving by or you hear them yelling at their kid, pray for them. Pray for them. And once you've gotten to know them, if you are a Jesus follower, share why you are so for them. Maybe they'll ask, why are you like this? Because God was for me. And so I'm for you. It's that easy. So we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Something bigger than just us. So why would we waste our time and our energy shouting about why you, what you are against? Why waste your time and energy shouting about what you are against when we can make a difference by showing what we are for? That we are for people because God is for people. Like what would our city be like if each neighbor was actively for each other. That would be amazing, right? Salem would live up to its, to its name, the city of peace. That's what Salem means, peace. What would, it, 
What if every, not just like all the neighbors of Salem, I know that's a big dream, but what if every Jesus follower actually had a plan to be known for what they were for? That would change your city, our city, your neighborhood. What if our neighbors were skeptical of what we believed, but in awe of how well we loved them? Yes, it's, it's okay to be skeptical that a man died and rose again, and oh yeah, he was God who saves you from your sins. That's okay to be skeptical of. We can talk about that. But what if, you know, they, they, they wanted to kind of question that, but there is no questioning that everyone who said they followed that God-man loved them so well. What would that be like? Who do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? Let's close that gap between who we want to be and who we are. Let's read what Jesus said one more time. You, all of us, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let all yours light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's let the love of Jesus shine out from us. It's really the only way for us to be who we want to be is together. The only way for us to actually become who we are trying to become is not on our own, is not the Lone Ranger or the Mandalorian, but together, united, because of what we are for. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Thank you for being for us before we were ever for you, before we even knew you. Thank you for showing us what true love is. Thank you for showing us what it means to just express love to people who you don't even know, or you don't even, they're not even part of your, your group. Give us courage to be for people. Give us a plan. Help us um, find our part in this light And please show our neighbors how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you guys have a good week this week. Hope you have a fun Super Bowl. And then a good week next week. And then we will see you in two weeks for our uh, So What About series. Go ahead and invite a friend. That's a good one to invite friends to. They all are. Anyway, have a great week. We'll see you later.